0: 4.48 p.m. <clears throat> 19th of July 2020. Hmm. This is going to be an interesting one, the construction of it. And uh, firstly, that is because the reading that is going to go after the thing that I am recording right this moment is something that i recorded on the 2nd of july right when jelaine maxwell was arrested because it seemed like well let's say it was an auspicious day uh to you know mark and uh fireworks upcoming and whatnot, I wanted to, you know, name drop her in context of this thing I was reading, which is Aleister Crowley on human sacrifice, uh, which I had bumped into just a few days before and uh, (laughs) either... I hope some people enjoy the rambling line of thought, but all of this can be cut future Adam up to probably what'll be five minutes as usual as I'm warming up to this. But uh Crowley, <clears throat> who I was put in mind of because of Midnight Gospel, uh with the uh discussion with Damian Eccles, I believe, that uh uh, Duncan gets into talking about Crowley a bit. So it was on my mind to read something of his and then came across this. And of course, as the world is unpeeling into new shapes and we're going to have to throw out all the fucking history books or, or rather we need, we need to write the other side now whatever the ever loving fuck, Uh, but it seemed like a fine day to record, you know, what Crowley had to say on human sacrifice uh, because I saw that much and have been following stuff for longer. And especially because in accordance with stuff that I've been writing, that as much as we might say or identify spiritual forces and intentions aligned with or guiding what we do uh a lot of things have contributed to the stuff i've been writing and working on for 17 years now to be talking about biblical stuff, trying to get people to be grounded in that and grasp it, you know, this different world with much more, uh, well, for one thing, zero accountability. We're we're seeing, uh, like, purely because of cameras and because of Me Too just as one marking point, the fall of 2017 that has been a level of evolution of our fucking species that would not have been imaginable a hundred years before or more uh just like it's staggering when you really think of the accountability and the change of not just you know we're gonna have a firm talk with everybody in the office about you know, really, everyone knows that we're there because of Jerry. Who can't, you know, keep his hands to himself. damn self, but everybody needs to do this talk. And then we're going to solve workplace harassment, you know, within the company. Obviously, it's never going to work. <laughs> and it's in the interests of some people that it doesn't. And that's true of many, many things, but uh but we're moving into a new and better uh millennium it's just uh takes a while to root out the evil that is wrapped around the heart of our world and only because of this technology um, and my ability to stop a movie and come over and record a few minutes of this as things are taking shape in my head about all of this uh, I just paused Apocalypto which I have not watched before although it was recommended to me uh by a friend years ago. I really should have watched this sooner, but uh but as we're seeing that Mel Gibson uh was trying to tell everyone, was trying to with the passion of the Christ and actually for real, uh Apocalypto is all about human sacrifice and uh, torture and all of this. And I wanted to see The Passion of the Christ in theaters. My folks wouldn't let me because everybody was yelling about it being anti-Semitic and I wanted to go dressed as a rabbi somehow like that would matter in the dark. But just for just to sit there and just go, Oi, look what they're doing to that nice Jewish boy. Was uh, pretty much as far as that idea went. But I've I've seen that movie uh, like three or four times actually and could talk about it another time. Uh, and now, you know, the world has got to see it very differently. But... Uh, And I would have loved to see Apocalypto in theaters, but it wasn't playing anywhere around me as I'm watching it, uh, in this utterly bizarre way, knowing the things about the world changing around us right now and what Mel Gibson had the, uh, the cloud and the vision and the energy Etc. To be able to produce at least these two movies, I don't know if there's something else he did like this as well. But uh, but I bet this was wild to see in a theater. I I really can't imagine, but I would love to have been in a room with a group of people reacting to this uh, movie. And the passion of the Christ for similar reasons, although I was thinking, you know, at that age, just, it would be funny to go for the goof of it. And because, you know, it was getting so much, whatever, um, I hope that what I'm doing And I really hope that if you're hearing the thing that I'm putting together right now, you might not be hearing the full splurge of this, because this is just how I'm getting thoughts together and in order. But uh, people are already being revolted by the idea of spirit cooking and the revelation of it i coincidentally ran across something about it about that practice written by maimonides in the 12th century and i audiobooked that actually some way down the list not marked as that uh just part of something else uh but i want to re-record it some part of uh I believe, chapter 47 of book 3 of Guide for the Perplexed, the 11th of the 14 precepts, uh, the 11th class. Uh, The Corbinot are uh, sacrifices. And... It's insane and it's evil and it's true, but uh, all of it, but because of stuff I write and because of, you know, reading a lot and engaging with both fiction and uh, let's just say elements of magic and leave it at that broadly uh, that I'm ready to take on that all of this stuff is real and is going on, uh, alarm, sorry. Um, and I'm going to get back to the movie. It's just very intense and I want to get some of it because I'm very much caught up in it. But, uh, but Crowley says, Uh, and this helps me understand better and I want more people to understand as well as we can what exactly the fuck they are doing and why they have been doing it not just oh my god this is insane horror movie whatever which it is it's worse than any of them And they've been telling us, of course, because that's it. It's the industry churning out the, you know, the slasher horror stuff, uh, desensitizing people and, uh, you know, to, to make the world uh, more like to, be able to accept it or hoping for the world to accept it somehow, whatever exactly the overall message, this whole thing that now, uh, again, as a species, we need to unravel whatever the fuck all of this has been. But Crowley says that a, virgin male child is like the best uh sacrifice of all he talks about that a bit and i want to give people more and more context having serendipitously like maybe literally by the hand of god i flip back through something that uh ocd stamped at february of 2019 when i read this originally uh it's uh kurban it's uh all the same thing uh it is just past 5 p.m I didn't say because I jumped right into this. Uh, (laughs) But if anyone wants to reach out for any reason, uh, Twitter, at time of posting, uh, I am going to get back to Apocalypto. I'll have more things to say by the end of it and maybe another break as I'm structuring this. But uh, but this, I didn't publish the thing on July 2nd because of basically the same recording I'm making now to talk around it and give it context and flip back and forth and get into the mood wise to really read this thing. Uh, it is 5.02 PM. I will be back with you momentarily after I have gotten, uh, also incidentally, I'm like halfway in the movie. I'm at one hour, seven minutes, 12 seconds precisely. Uh, They're just getting smeared with blue paint and brought into the giant city. I fucking love this movie and I love the premise of it. When I heard about it, it just wasn't playing anywhere. Uh, and this too, this whole thing is a warning. Uh, I genuinely have no idea now, uh, how I would have reacted to it as a, whatever, teenager when this came out, I was in high school somewhere. Uh, but there are references to uh cannibalism and specifically child cannibalism like just said as a joke early on i don't know and other stuff in this movie like uh it's an amazing movie everybody uh should check it out and it's becoming very much more culturally relevant all of a fucking sudden it's 504 p.m i'll be back with you all after uh some sound effect it is 10 p.m on the nose of the last day of july which is why i'm back here editing this It is Friday, July 31st, 2020 (laughs) interjection because it was just uh, signed off from 504 of the 19th of July to the person speaking now, me, uh, on the 31st. And the interruption is because the next thing that you're gonna be hearing Is the recording from the 2nd of July. Like I said a few times here and right at the very end of this recording, as I'm coming back and doing the editing, uh, this needs to be patched together a bit, but this is valuable and touches on a lot of things that. It's, I, I, this is a time capsule of sorts. This is a record of the times we're in. And the time of today is that they've just opened or released the, uh, what was trending as the Epstein files or Epstein docs, because, you know, Twitter keeps taking down the tags, but uh (laughs) uh as i started to type prince andrew it didn't have any suggestions uh mysteriously uh but a few new names have popped out and finally people are kind of catching on to the deafening silence from all this time uh and it's remarkable to be recording this now uh like a little light or an island or some shit you know in the midst of these other recordings and different times that the expression of this and reading of this passage was done because i recorded this on the day jelaine maxwell was arrested and things have been moving very quickly. I, in the part you just heard, and I don't want to blurt on, but this is important because I, you know, people, it's a Friday night, and I'm curious what Colbert's monologue is going to be on Monday. I don't know what time Anderson Cooper is on TV because I don't watch that uh for my news and everything you know but uh it's there are some questions about why he has not done a 60 minutes on any of any of this uh and it's quite possible that by the time that anybody other than myself hears this you know more than i Presently recording, or any of the eyes that are coming after I cut this uh, somewhat baffling, but so are the times we're fucking living through. It's uh, the last day of July, 31st. The world is coming apart and reshaping back together. Uh, p.m. Friday, July 31st. On your way back to the 2nd of July and the original recording. I had said in a previous episode, because... Alistair Crowley was uh, invoked (laughs) uh, in the third episode of Midnight Gospel. Duncan Trussell. I have mentioned it before on the podcast, but uh, Netflix, watch it. Uh, Amazing. And Pendleton Ward, the creator of uh, Adventure Time, doing the artwork. But... um, So through something entirely different, I looked for what Wiki or what Gutenberg had of Aleister Crowley. And they had like one thing that was uh, uh, looked like poetry. So wasn't going to read that in this format. Uh, but I've just stumbled across a very interesting a uh, passage somewhere from magic and theory and practice, which came out around 1912. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on Wikipedia about the backstory, you know, and uh, Crowley having done some ritual magic before uh, in the course of being inspired uh, or being, it says, commanded to write book for by a discarnate entity named Abuldiz, sometimes spelled differently. In Crowley's incomplete record of the working, which came around the time that Liber Legis was ready to be published in that journal, that was the Book of the Law, the central sacred text of Thelema allegedly written down from dictation, mostly by Alistair Crowley, although with his wife, Rose Edith Crowley, is known to have written two phrases in the manuscript of the book. Uh, look it up if you're more interested. But uh, I'm not so familiar with uh, those details, or I'd give a better accounting of it. Uh, And given the thing that I've just run across, uh, I think it's a decent warning to just mention that I have not read it yet. I just skimmed it. And it's referring to some stuff from The Golden Bough, which is uh, concerns uh, different kinds of magic and especially sacrificial magic. And so just for a flair of the scandalous and uh, unthinkable, uh, I'm going to just break here because these have a, the last few of them haven't changed and I don't want to do a bunch more of this and have it lose a half hour. But uh, also, I should mention this... Uh, future Adam, uh, just any version of this mention that the site this is coming from or the blog uh, looks, um, well, talk more about it on the other side of this, but just, I ran across this super randomly uh, and it's put forward by someone uh that i will break down a bit more about in just a moment uh but the topic of this is on human sacrifice uh and it is 4 43 p.m second of july back in a moment <laughs> 4.51 p.m., 2nd of July. Uh, we are getting to the thing now. I uh, just had to do a little editing, um, but now I'm gonna just read it. And making chapter 12 of The Bloody Sacrifice and Matters Cognate, Magic in Theory and Practice. And that's a magic with a K to distinguish it from like stage magic. This was... Actually, interesting when Duncan Trussell was uh, the guy with uh, uh, in Midnight Gospel when they mentioned Crowley. That actually, because whatever the the everything I'm in, I'm binge watching uh, him and Joe Rogan because those episodes are marvelous and uh everything but there is uh uh they were talking about if you could send like a magician back in time that he'd probably impress everyone etc cetera, etc cetera. uh but they're like sleight of hand has to go back to the bronze age as does so much human behaviors but uh but this right here, magic is not stage magic. This is Crowley, uh, you know, like with an app when you uh, leave out the, I don't know, the the A out of sharp or something if your app is just S-H-R-P for no good reason, whatever, just the style of the times. But uh, chapter 12, excuse me, hiccups. Yeah. Magic in Theory and Practice. It is necessary for us to consider carefully the problems connected with the bloody sacrifice, for this question is indeed traditionally important in magic. Nigh all... Oh, hang on. It's the friggin... Oh, by the way, I probably said, but I need to... In the... uh, uh, in the body of the podcast, there uh, is the, the link to the thing I'm reading. So if you want to follow along, or uh, future Adam, say this more concisely and at the beginning of what will be the edited version of this, just uh, that in the uh, description with the podcast, there will be a link to the chapter that I'm just starting to read. And then a second one to the table of contents where you can find this whole book online. If you want to know more about uh, K at the end magic. Also, if you're not familiar with the Golden Bough. I mentioned it earlier in the reading of this as it's originally, uh, but uh, he's about to mention it. And it's very interesting as well. If you're interested in uh, some kinds of anthropology and observation of ritual practices and understandings of how the world fits together. But back to Crowley. It is necessary for us to consider carefully the problems connected with the bloody sacrifice for this question is indeed traditionally important in magic, I'm going to stop saying it that way. <laughs> Nigh all ancient magic revolves around this matter. In particular, all the Osirian religions, the rites of the dying God, refer to this. The slaying of Osiris and Adonis, the mutilation of Addis, the cults of Mexico and Peru, the story of Hercules or Melkarth the legends of Dionysus and of Mithra are all connected with this one idea. In the Hebrew religion, we find the same thing inculcated. The first ethical lesson in the Bible is that the only sacrifice pleasing to the Lord is the sacrifice of blood. Abel, who inculcated, instilled, it's a Good word, just uh, to know. Uh, The first ethical lesson in the Bible is that the only sacrifice pleasing to the Lord is the sacrifice of blood. Abel, who made this, finding favor with the Lord, while Cain, who offered cabbages, was rather naturally considered a cheap sport. (laughs) The idea recurs again and again. We have the sacrifice of the Passover following on the story of Abraham's being uh, commanded to sacrifice his firstborn son with the idea of the substitution of animal for human life. The annual ceremony of the two goats carries this out in perpetuity. And we see again the domination of this idea in the romance of Esther where Haman and Mordecai are the two goats or gods. And ultimately in the presentation of the rite of Purim in Palestine, where Jesus and Barabbas happened to be the goats in that particular year of which we hear so much without agreement on the date. This subject must be studied in the golden Bough, where it is most learnedly set forth by Dr. J. G. Fraser F-R-A-Z-E-R. Enough has now been said to show that the bloody sacrifice has from time immemorial been the most considered part of magic. The ethics of the thing appear to have concerned no one, nor, to tell the truth, need they do so. As St. Paul says, without shedding of blood there is no remission. And who are we to argue with St. Paul? But after all that, it is open to anyone to have any opinion that he likes upon the subject, or any other subject, thank God. And just before this, sorry, the fucking alarms, I remember this one's... It's a good thing to remember, but not... Future Adam, cut this little aside. Go back and rerecord from this. Okay, nothing else. Yeah, nothing else going off in this hour. Okay, let's do that again and can stitch them together. But after all that, it is open to anyone to have any opinion that he likes upon the subject or any other subject, thank God. At the same time, it is most necessary to study the business, whatever we might be going to do about it, for our ethics themselves will naturally depend upon our theory of the universe. If we were quite certain, for example, that everyone went to heaven when he died, there could be no serious objection to murder or suicide as it is generally conceded by those who know neither that earth is not such a pleasant place as heaven however there is a mystery concealed in this theory of the bloody sacrifice which is of great importance to the student and we therefore make no further apology we should not have made even this apology for an apology had it not been from the solicitude of a pious young friend of great austerity of character who insisted that the part of this chapter which now follows, the part which was originally written, might cause us to be misunderstood. This must not be. The blood is the life. This simple statement is explained by the Hindus by saying that the blood is the principal vehicle of vital prana, praha, uh, there's a bunch of fucking ads with this. Um, okay, Vital Prana. And I'll come back to there is some ground for the belief. Uh, it is 5.02 p.m. 2nd July um, 2020, auspicious year of much change and chaos. Five oh eight p.m. July second. Um. Oh right, of uh, auspicious. It's an awful word to try to say aloud. Auspicious news and things of the day. Uh, Jelaine Maxwell is apparently in uh whatever custody. And, uh, which deserves fireworks tonight or any other this week, if people felt so inclined. But, uh, that is world-shaking news. Uh, sorry for this unrelated sidebar. Um, but it's a... Oh, also, uh, hashtag Jelaine Maxwell didn't kill herself is already trending, which is just like the greatest dark comedy uh, because yeah. Yeah, there's a remarkably high suicide rate among friends of uh, the Clintons. Anywho, like I said, totally unrelated. Um, Back to the principal vehicle of vital prana. Prana. There is some ground for the belief that there is a definite substance, not isolated as yet, whose presence makes all the difference between live and dead matter. We pass by with deserved contempt, the pseudo-scientific experiments of American charlatans who claim to have established that weight is lost at the moment of death, and the unsupported statements of alleged clairvoyance that they have seen the soul issuing like a vapor from the mouths of persons in articulo mortis. But his experiences as an explorer have convinced the master Therian, which sounds like a character from Just for important context, as I don't know who that is. Therian Thelema is a deity found in the mystical system of Thelema, established in 1904 with Crowley's writing of the Book of of the Law. (laughs) Thank you, uh, Wikipedia, for making all of us if not smarter, certainly uh, more well informed. So, uh, according to one of the gods of Crowley's pantheon or whatever, Lovecraftian, well, I don't know <laughs> nearly enough about it to uh, freeform. Anyway, Master Therian that meat loses a notable portion of its nutritive value within a very few minutes after the death of the animal and that this loss proceeds with ever-diminishing rapidity as time goes on. It is further generally conceded that live food, such as oysters, is the most rapidly assimilable and most concentrated form of energy. Laboratory experiments and food values seem to be almost worthless for reasons which we cannot here enter into. The general testimony of mankind appears a safer guide. It would be unwise to condemn as irrational the practice of those savages who tear the heart and liver from an adversary and devour them while yet warm. In any case, it was the theory of the ancient magicians that any living being is a storehouse of energy varying in quantity according to the size and health of the animal and in quality according to its mental and moral character. At the death of the animal, this energy is liberated suddenly. The animal should therefore be killed within the circle or the triangle, as the case may be, so that its energy cannot escape. An animal should have been selected whose nature accords with that of the ceremony. Thus, by sacrificing a female lamb, one would not obtain any appreciate quality of the fierce energy useful to a magician who is invoking Mars. In such a case, a ram would be more suitable. And this ram should be virgin. The whole potential of its original total energy should not have been diminished in any way. For the highest spiritual working, one must accordingly choose that victim who, which contains the greatest and purest force. A male child of perfect innocence and high intelligence is the most satisfactory and suitable victim. For evocations, it would be more convenient to place the blood of the victim in the triangle. The, incidentally, all of this is... Uh, whatever your particular moral qualms or structures uh, might be uh, just in the most clinical sense, this is not kosher. Because one of the things about kosher, the whole thing about draining the blood is because the blood is unclean or the blood is holy in a way that uh, we should not be partaking of is the theory and that is not apparently Crowley's take on it Um, the idea being that the spirit might obtain from the blood this subtle but physical substance which was the quintessence of its life in such a manner as to enable it to take on a visible and tangible shape those magicians who abject to the, maybe that's meant to be object, but it's with an A, to the use of blood have endeavored to replace it with incense. For such a purpose, the incense of the may be burnt in large quantities. Dittany of Crete is also a valuable medium. Both of these incenses are very Catholic with a little c in their nature and suitable for almost any materialization but the bloody sacrifice though more dangerous is more efficacious and for nearly all purposes human sacrifice is the best the truly great magician will be able to use his own blood or possibly that of a disciple and that without sacrificing the physical life irrevocably. An example of this sacrifice is given in chapter 44 of Lieber 333. This mass may be recommended generally for daily practice. One last word on this subject. There is a magical operation of maximum importance, the initiation of a new eon, A-E-O-N, when it becomes necessary to utter a word, the whole planet and that's with word and planet capital W and P must be the whole planet must be bathed in blood. Before man is ready to accept the law of Thelema, the great war must be fought. This bloody sacrifice is the critical point of the world ceremony of the proclamation of ours the crowned and conquering child, as lord of the eon. This whole matter is prophesied in the book of the law itself. Let the student take note and enter the ranks of the host of the sun. And is this another? Oh yeah, this is nearly the end and there are a fuck ton of uh, footnotes you can skip down to if you're reading this on the site which you may want to, or you may not, Uh, but in any case, it's out there if you are interested. There is another sacrifice with regard to which the adepts have always maintained the most profound secrecy. It is the supreme mystery of practical magic. Its name is the formula of the rosy cross. In this case, the victim is always, in a certain sense, the magician himself. And the sacrifice must coincide with the utterance of the most sublime and secret name of the God whom he wishes to invoke. Properly performed, it never fails of its effect. But it is difficult for the beginner to do it satisfactorily because it is a great effort for the mind to remain concentrated upon the purpose of the ceremony. The overcoming of this difficulty lends most powerful aid to the magician. It is unwise for him to attempt it until he has received regular initiation in the true uh, footnote 11 order of the rosy cross and what is true Oh, it is here desirable to warn the reader against the numerous false orders, which... Is this... Uh, this looks like the site is adding it. If we continue, Now, I don't know Crowley's tone well enough to say if this is his yet. Like, you know, Discworld, those are immediately, you know, Terry Pratchett. Uh, And if you don't, uh, look it up, Discworld, and rest in peace, sir. Um, Whatever it is, it's... uh, Someone is saying the false someone's. Um, True order of the rosy cross and he must have taken the vows with the fullest comprehension and experience of their meaning. It is also extremely desirable that he should have attained an absolute degree of moral emancipation and that purity of spirit, which, oh, uh, yeah, maybe this is his note. Moral emancipation comes from 12, it says, this results from the full acceptance of the law of Thelema, persistently put into practice, which, going from that legalistic phrasing, moral emancipation, uh, sounds like uh, considering yourself amoral or transcending, uh, you know, human morality, is kind of what I'm reading there. But like I said earlier, I am not deeply familiar with his work. That sounds consistent, though, especially as we're talking about, you know, human sacrifice and everything. (laughs) Moral emancipation. And that purity of spirit, which results from a perfect understanding both of the differences and harmonies of the planes upon the tree of life. For this reason, Frater Perturabo "...has never dared to use this formula in a fully ceremonial manner, save only once, on an occasion of tremendous import, when indeed it was not he that made the offering, but one in him. For he perceived a grave defect in his moral character, which he had been over to, uh, able to overcome on the intellectual plane, but not hitherto upon higher planes." Before the conclusion... Of writing this book, he will have done so. Footnote 13, PS, with the happiest results, period, capital letter P, period. The practical details of the bloody sacrifice may be studied in various ethnological manuals, but the general conclusions are summed up in Fraser's Golden Bough, which is strongly recommended to the reader. Actual ceremonial details likewise may be left to experiment. The method of killing is practically uniform. The animal should be stabbed to the heart or its throat severed in either case by the knife. All other methods of killing are less efficacious. Even in the case of crucifixion, death is given by stabbing. One may remark that warm blooded animals only are used as victims with two principal exceptions. The first is the serpent, which is only used in a very special ritual. The second, the magical beetles of Libra legis, see part four. One word of warning is perhaps necessary for the beginner. The victim must be in perfect health or its energy may be as it were poisoned. It must also not be too large. The amount of energy disengaged is almost unimaginably great Excuse me, and out of all anticipated proportion to the strength of the animal. Consequently, the magician may easily be overwhelmed and obsessed by the force which he has let loose. It will then probably manifest itself in its lowest and most objectionable form. The most intense spirituality of purpose is absolutely essential to safety, In evocations, the danger is not so great as the circle forms a protection. But the circle in such a case must be protected not only by the names of God and the invocations used at the same time, but by a long habit of successive defense. Successful defense. Uh, And there's a footnote. It's actually, I like these footnotes way more than normally because instead of genting down the page it goes from defense with a c uh down it just pulls it up like a pop-up window that starts with the habitual use of the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram to say thrice daily a bunch of stuff uh look it up if you care um in evocations the danger is not so great as the circle forms a protection but the circle in such a case must be protected not only for the name by the names of god and the invocations used at the same time but by a long habit of successful defense if you are easily disturbed or alarmed or if you have not yet overcome the tendency of the mind to wander it, it Of all things to say, in case you have, I thought it was going to be another, in case you haven't transcended human morals and laws. But no, if if you're absent-minded, it is not advisable for you to perform the, quote, bloody sacrifice. Footnote. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously, absolutely unsafe to meddle with this kind of magic. Let the young magician reflect upon the conservation of matter and of energy. Always important, whether your field is in physics or metaphysics uh, or magic. Yet it should not be forgotten that this and that other art at which we have dared darkly to hint are the supreme formulae of practical magic. You are also likely to get into trouble over this chapter unless you truly comprehend its meaning. Footnote, tum tum I've chosen, the. this is a long footnote. I've chosen, and this is just a chunk of it, the expressions in this chapter in such a way that it is likely to mislead those magicians who allow selfish interests to cloud their intelligence, but to give useful hints to such as are bound by the proper oaths to devote their powers to legitimate ends. Uh, And it goes on. But obviously all of this, whether you believe in it or practice it, now um it's integrity demands okay yeah that's that's um huh okay interesting footnotes uh yeah this is a fine thing to end on Crowley's an interesting guy uh But uh, it says when Crowley speaks of sacrificing a male child, his diaries and other writings indicate that he thereby obfuscates the actual practice. Crowley did this by diversion of the act of sexual intercourse and other sexual actions. He considered contraception as human sacrifice. There is no indication in any of his writings that he ever performed infanticide. In fact, Crowley was even against abortion. Interesting. I mean, uh, like there's a bunch of stuff here saying uh, that he sworn testimony, that uh, he never did such a thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff about sex magic and blood and, you know, more of these things that uh, usually pop up together. Uh, Anywho, um, I should go back and read some Crowley that's less, you know demented, or, uh, no, that's not right. That's absolutely not right. It's very lucid, but, uh, but obviously is talking into an evil place. I don't know enough about the man to guess whether it's to obfuscate or not, or if he wrote that in his, Diaries to Mislead People Further, or because I'm reading it as a footnote on the website. uh, This looks uh, like legit text and probably has footnotes, but I don't have fucking any idea who W-E-H is. Uh, These notes at the bottom, W-E-H, whatever the fuck, anywho uh spiritual sacrifice where did that go um and the intelligence and yeah yeah i mean anyway uh it all comes back to like he said and i think it's a few years before dracula came out but the blood is the life you know but more Transylvanian and appalling. (laughs) I'm not going to publish this one right away. This needs more editing and a proper ending with whatever the fuck I'm making of this exactly. Future Adam, if you're listening over this, just cut. The very end of this entirely from that last note about Crowley to after this pause, doing the time and signing off. Well, I hope that was interesting. Uh, it, you can find me on Twitter at time of posting. It is 5.31 p.m. on the 2nd of July. And uh, although this needs a bit more editing before it can be published, uh, all good stuff. Have a great summer, everybody. And stay safe wherever you might be when you get this.